0: Hello and welcome into another episode of the College Esports Quick Take and of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. Remember, if you're listening to this show on the Esports Network podcast feed, the friends over on the College Esports feed heard it first. You should check out that College Esports Quick Take feed if you want first access to feature interviews like this one and some interviews that I only publish on the college esports feed. And we also have daily shows, including classes in session in the news and program spotlights going all around collegiate esports only on the college esports quick take. So if you're listening on the esports network podcast feed, we appreciate you listening. Subscribe to college esports quick take. If you enjoy these types of conversations. But when I have a great guest like I have today, I have to publish it on both feeds. Today we're talking to Chris Buckner, co-founder and CEO of Mainline. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an intro! I feel I feel honored.
0: Thank you. Somehow, <laughs> after like 300 episodes of interviews or something like that, I'm getting decent at it.
1: Yeah, I agree. You did. You did good.
0: I appreciate it. For people unfamiliar, Mainline is an esports tournament software and management company that recently announced a new college Rocket League tournament in partnership with Van Wagner. It's called the College Esports Invitational, and it'll draw on existing traditional sports conferences in determining the teams, but not with the Power 5 conferences. Among the eight conferences competing are the Sun Belt, the Western Athletic Conference, and the Big South Conference. Van Wagner manages each conference's multimedia rights, which makes this event possible. Every conference is first holding a single elimination tournament, which is actually happening right now. As we record this on February 3rd, the single elimination tournament is going from February 2nd through the 5th. But then this upcoming weekend, when you'll be hearing this show, we'll see 16 teams, two from each conference play through a bracket with the finals coming on Sunday, the 7th. Chris, it's definitely interesting to see more competitions pop up along existing traditional sports conference lines. What do you think that brings to an event like this one?
1: Well, You know, one of the things that makes this really special is one, you know, Rocket League and Psionics have been amazing about, um, you know, giving us an opportunity to do this event. And then from the multimedia rights holder perspective with Van Wagner, what we're doing here is, I'm not going to say it's the first time, but when you start mirroring the, I should say, mirroring the two sides, which is the IP of the schools with the IP of, uh, you know, potentially a publisher, which, you know, we have limited rights because uh, Rocket League has a lot of their own stuff going on, but it's a really special opportunity because it's bring more eyeballs. And and as an example, when you look at like a multimedia rights holders, they have access to, I mean, these conferences through social media marketing um, in addition to the rights. So now you're able to leverage kind of like their reach, their command, their brand value, their, um, you know, all of the club programs that are happening at each one of the schools within each one of the conferences. So we at Mayline are extremely excited because this is, you know, just that next step in collegiate esports. And we we know that this is going to be the future, right? Everybody knows that um, uh, collegiate esports is growing extremely quickly. And this is kind of putting more and more foundation in the space. So, I I mean, it's a, to us, we could not be more excited.
0: Absolutely. There's no doubt that everything is growing and it's been uh, especially this year, really interested to see what forms that growth is taking through the creation of new tournaments, new platforms, uh, new initiatives, entirely new companies focused on this space. It's been pretty interesting to keep up with just seeing all the different events that have come out. How do you differentiate from the rest? As Mainline is something, as an esports tournament software that does these types of things, uh, as a in an area that's consistently growing and having new companies, new platforms all the time, how do you make sure that your competitions offer a distinct value uh, that differentiates it from the rest of the dip people offering college esports competitions in their various forms?
1: Yeah, sure. That's a really great question. I, I think there's a lot of parts. So first and foremost, it's really the the MMR, like Van Wagner, for instance, that's really leading the charge when it comes to you know, the competition, the the strategy behind a, a lot of how this works. Remember, for the most part, Mainline just gets to be what well, we always joke about this. We get to be kind of Switzerland in the space because um, we, we can work with anybody because we're that software, right? But uh, in the instance of somebody like Van Wagner, um, what, what they're bringing to the table is, again, it's that reach and it's kind of building that foundation. But more importantly, it's kind of starting to pump more and more into the club programs at the individual schools and within the conferences. And one of the things, you know, by the way, we, we love all of the leagues that are out there. Um again, because we, we tend to try to be behind the scenes, if you will. We're not a league ourselves, for instance, right? Like we aren't trying to go up against any of these leagues that are happening in the space. Instead we support the the leagues that are happening um, through their own initiatives. So Van Wagner, for instance, you know, they have their prize pools, their qualifiers at a conference level where the schools can, uh, you know, they get representatives. It's kind of that open qualifier, closed qualifier, and then championship round. And um, what we're just trying to do is put continuity into the space. And we think that this is the the perfect first step. And as an example, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I can say this, but, but the schools aren't paying for uh, these tournaments to go on, right? Because we need the schools pumping more into the club programs. And it's really people like Van Wagner that are saying, no, we understand that. We we want to grow club programs. And they do so by running these kinds of tournaments and getting a lot of exposure. And, you know, again, Psionics giving us the thumbs up to to do the tournament is obviously huge. So I think it's more of the putting uh, continuity into the space. Um, Van Wagner is able to do that with all their conference rights. And they're able to start putting in kind of like a structure where open qualifier, closed qualifier. And again, one of the first things that we do at mainline is we obviously work with the schools to make sure that they understand like, Hey, this is for club and varsity. You know, you can enter in this thing. We want everybody involved in this deal. So I think it's just more of what we bring to the table. And, and today I know it's not about mainline at all. We, we bring kind of this continuity from a, a back end perspective, but then the, the, the MMRs themselves, I think that Van Wagner is going about this the exact right way. They're offering you know, a pretty big competition with a good prize pool, you know, like I said, marrying the uh, the brand IP from the schools and the and the conferences to uh, maybe a publisher, um, for instance, and and kind of putting in a structure in place where you start to see that like path to varsity um, outlook on uh, uh, the collegiate esports space. So um, people like Van Wagner make our job really easy because They are the ones that are leading the charge from a marketing and then a structure standpoint when it comes to um, getting more people involved with club eSports.
0: Definitely. You bring up a a point that is one of the reasons why I really enjoy these traditional sports mirroring college eSports competitions. And it's because of the way it helps push colleges into creating varsity programs. When you have... Mm -hmm. Uh, competitions like this, especially with these types of conferences, where you're you're likely to see, you know, the Power Five has, I think there's like three schools that have varsity esports programs. It's Mizzou, Utah, and maybe one more. But when you get mm-hmm. down to conferences like Sunbelt, the WAC, Big South, uh, across the board, you're going to start seeing one or two varsity esports programs because smaller schools have been quicker adopters here. And then yeah. when they start competing in these types of tournaments against the rest of the WAC they start seeing, oh, okay, wait, we don't we have a club program and that and our rival school has a varsity program and they just mopped us. We might need <laughs> to invest in this a little bit more. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe our club team just won. If we make it a varsity program, we could actually be one of the dominant programs here. And so I think it's one of the quickest ways that we end up getting more varsity teams in this space is if you have events that compete along. The rivalries along the tension points that have already been built out over in traditional sports.
1: No, I mean you, you absolutely nailed it. And you know, everybody looks at the 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 Power Five, for instance, because of you know the, the the brand that they have created in that Power Five space from a traditional sports perspective. But you nailed it. A lot of the smaller schools um, uh, are being a little bit more bullish right now on the esports scene because they're able to, right? Like they're a little bit more flexible. They see an opportunity here, and uh, it's it's awesome because. Whether you're talking about um, Division One, Division Two, NAI JUCO, uh, what HBCU, like it, it, across the board, you're really quickly seeing just how quickly everybody's starting to get into this from a club and varsity perspective, and you know you see these competitions that happen in the space right now, and you know it's maybe these what some would consider smaller schools are kicking major butt in these tournaments, right? Because They've invested the time, the money, the effort, the training, the facilities. Uh, uh, I mean, I can give you tons of examples, right? Because we tend to travel to a lot of our school partners just to talk to them. But um, this is such an awesome opportunity because with these eight conferences, for instance, America East, Big South, Big West, MAC, Southland, Sunbelt, WAC, and WCC, this is kind of opening just another door for opportunity for not just the conferences, but the schools within those conferences to go, hang on, hang on you're telling me that we have students at our school that are that good at esports that we could maybe start creating our own programs around this. And that's exactly what we want because I always say this and I know I'm going to get in trouble for your listeners are probably going to kill me for this. And I'll get killed from people in the industry, but I am a massive, massive college football fan. Like that is, that's always been um, my like biggest fandom growing up as a kid. Cause I was brainwashed. I went to A&M and um, when, oh, you're when you're here, buddy, Okay, good, good, good. I use your the University of Oregon
0: for a reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, and by the way, yesterday's news, fantastic, and I know that this is going to be aired a little bit later, but uh, EA coming back, or uh, uh, college football coming back is fantastic. Oh, yeah. But, um, so the reason I bring this up is college football got massive when Adidas and Nike started competing for rights in the space, right? And what that meant was the schools were getting enough funding to start putting things into like um, – Okay, facilities on campus, recruiting, all of this kind of stuff, right? And so what I think we're seeing is when you talk about these MMRs like Van Wagner doing what they're doing and tying endemic and non-endemic brands into the space so that they can give back to the, the conferences in the schools and, and you know, through prize pools and, and, and scholarships and stuff like that in the future, that's, to me, I go, that's exactly what we're all hoping for is... Let's make this an explosion like college football in the 70s and 80s when Adidas and Nike, uh, you know, two massive brands started pumping money into the space. And the reason I said I'd get killed for that is obviously if you've read like Shoe Dog, which is the story of Phil Knight at Nike, you know, there, there's a lot of funny stuff that went on between uh, Adidas and Nike at that time period. But it's really bringing in those brands, endemic and non-endemic, um, into this space and, and building the product meaning more and more varsity teams, which means better product for broadcast, uh, whether that's on an OTT or linear broadcast. Like, that's the dream I think that everybody's looking for, and it's you know Van Wagner's doing a good job of that right now, and, and others are too. Other MMRs are doing the same thing. It's I think it's just going to be really important for the growth.
0: Absolutely, it's great to have brands like this, and and Van Wagner sort of serves as that conduit between. Uh okay, we're we a brand that's interested in esports. We do a ton of work in traditional sports. We don't know where to start. And Van Wagner could create, oh, well, actually we have a college Rocket League team that already exists on these traditional sports lines. It's a natural first step into esports. And A large part of that is the game choice. And that's something I want to talk about as well, because Rocket League consistently seems to be the go-to choice for sports-adjacent esports event. And we've seen that play out in just the last few months. I had a uh, Oh, I can't remember his exact title, but he was at the Maui Invitational, which happened yeah, yeah. Uh, two months ago. And they held a basically a Rocket League tournament two weeks before the college basketball tournament, one of the most watched college basketball preseason events, always a big deal in the college basketball world. Uh, they held it with Rocket League, and they got some pretty great viewerships. Just last weekend, X Games did a Rocket League tournament as part of X Games Aspen. And we would have seen it in the last summer at the biggest stage yet with the Olympics Intel World Open, Olympics adjacent event. So why is Rocket League kind of the go-to choice here? I think it obviously has some sports simulations, uh, but it seems every, time after time that this is the game people are turning towards when they want to exist, kind of in the world halfway between sports and esports.
1: Man, I, okay, you and I are going to become best friends because you're nailing this, <laughs> and, and meaning meaning it's, it's exactly how my viewpoint is. And um, again, I, I want to be clear, uh, I was never like a traditional esports. Like I didn't play games except for college football. Like that was, I used to take off two days of work when that game came out. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are like two days, try a week, you know, punk. But um, the reason why I think that Rocket League is just so important to the space is exactly what you touched on, which is you look at, um, you know, what what I call non-endemic titles. So You know, you have your, uh, let's just say League of Legends and you have your Overwatch. Those are like really serious and I'll call them endemic titles. I know I'm I'm misappropriating a little bit, meaning you can't just pick up um, a, a keyboard, for instance, with League of Legends and just jump right in and know exactly what you're doing immediately. Now, what does that mean, though? You have extremely high talent that are in there. That's where the varsity programs get established from. It's one of the most popular games in the entire world, and it it just takes more time and training, right? And then you have uh, more like of the endemic sports titles, if you will. So, like Madden is perfect for community play, and now it's starting to get that structure because what Madden does is it allows for anybody to pick up. I mean, a, a, a six year old could pick up a controller and at least try to play Madden, right? But what Rocket <laughs> what what Rocket League does is It has both that traditional sports feel, right, which makes the MMRs comfortable because um, that's what they know, right? They came from the traditional sports world. And then it makes the endemic, if you will, uh, esports players in the collegiate space comfortable because it does take skill, right? I mean, everybody knows Rocket League, the the level of difference between somebody who just started and somebody who's an actual pro in the space is astronomical. And it's funny because to an outsider, you might watch it and you'd go – well, that guy's killing that guy, but what, like, how is he killing that guy? It's because he knows, like, the, the 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 gameplay in such a way from practice. Well, what this does is it lets the people who are in traditional sports kind of have comfortability. Oh, I get it. That ball has to go into that net, and sure, it's a car that's hitting it, right? So anybody watching or playing can get it really quickly. But it also takes a ton of skill. So you're seeing you're seeing these like club and varsity programs that have established um, Rocket League teams. Because it has that that feel to them, where it's like, oh, this is this is high uh, quality competition, and then you have these, you know, Van Wagner and MMRs, and then uh, a lot of people that feel a lot more comfortable with the uh, idea that it has some of that traditional feel. So, from a production and broadcast perspective, like somebody can engage with it really, really quickly. So, I think that's kind of like where where I see it going.
0: It's uh, one of the most unique titles out there. One of my all-time favorites, and so our listeners are gonna have to. Hear me talk about Rocket League once again. I'm sure you guys aren't sick of this at this point, but it <laughs> it doesn't exist in any one genre, right? It's uh, you've got like the two main genres of esports, which are, well, three, I guess, sports simulations off on one side, the MOBAs, your Dota two and League of Legends, yep. and then your shooters and battle royales, mostly first-person shooters, CSGO, Valorant, Overwatch, uh, Rocket League's just kind of somewhere in the middle. It's not sports sim enough to be considered like a Madden or an NBA 2K, but it's definitely yep. not fantasy enough uh, to be in one of those other genres, and it's not violent enough to be categorized along with the other shooters. So it's this very unique subsection, and mm-hmm. it's kind of where brands and the esports community overlap especially especially in the college space when you have to be concerned with game safety it's what every mm-hmm. college comes up over and over and over again whenever the big players start to talk about this they're like well what about the violence you know we could argue against it with the fact that college football exists and that's just actual violence <laughs> on, on on a field that is watched by millions every saturday in the fall uh-huh. Uh But that's not an argument here nor there. It's just this is where, this is one of the hangups that's preventing college esports from going completely widespread. You don't see uh, Call of Duty, CSGO at really any varsity program because of Mm -hmm. the violent nature. There's a few, there's a few teams out there, but it's kind of why Rocket League works here. And I'm not sure if it's like a bridge for these brands to get into esports and they're going to expand more, or if there's just going to be so much put into Rocket League that it's going to be unarguably one of like the top three esports of the world right now. I think right now it's probably top five, top seven, but I don't think it's reached the top three, top three realm. And so I'm I'm curious how that keeps playing. If it's a bridge for these brands and I'm kind of speculating now, or if it it keeps pumped up by all these different events, that it becomes one of the biggest esports in the world by itself.
1: Well, so it's, it's crazy. You bring that up, right? Because you could see like rainbow six, um, a lot of people may not realize it, but, in the college space, Rainbow Six is one of the most popular titles uh, from a gameplay, but it's not officially, you know, associated with, um, uh, for instance, colleges and universities because it is hyper-realistic, you know, when it comes to a first-person shooter. Um, so that makes sense, right? A, a little bit that some schools would have maybe some hesitancy. And, uh, and, and Rocket League does sit in this like nice little safe cove um, where it is becoming, like you said, I mean, if you're asking me, for my opinion, in North America, that I would say that. Rocket League is t- definitely top three in the college space right now, right? Like um, it is up there with your League of Legends and your Overwatch. And, and don't get me wrong, there's Smash is obviously playing a huge part in this. And then you have your Call of Duty. Um, anyway, it does sit there really nicely in in this little, like I said, safety code from a, a brand perspective. But again, one of the best parts about, and, uh, about this, like with Van Wagner and the MMRs, is they're bringing their experience of massive, massive brand sponsorships to the table. So what they do is they're saying like, hey, let, let's let these massive brands that maybe were used to that traditional sports space uh, dip their toe in. Um, and they're able to do it with a, a, a game like Rocket League. But Rocket League is definitely set up to just be, one of the biggest collegiate esports without question um, because of exactly like no school is going to say, no, we don't want our brand associated with rocket league. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just not going to happen, but it is funny. I'm I'm not going to get into the highly political discussion of, you know, first person shooters in the space, but I, you brought up a good point. I do find it funny. Like um the harder the hit in college football, the more, you know, the, the entertainment uh, factor. And so it yeah. is kind of funny you brought that up because it's like, man, when you see a guy get hit really, really hard, it's like, yeah. Um, and I understand there's a lot of difference. But uh, when you brought that up, it made me think of that.
0: No, I, I've always found it super interesting because it's like, oh, we, we can't have violent games. But consistently, the games with the most contacts are the ones that are the most watched. It's not a lot of people watching college tennis, even though I'm a tennis player, so I could rag on tennis, so that's okay. Uh, but yeah, there's nobody watching college tennis. Nobody really gets hurt in tennis, uh, but it's fine. So it's, it's always a little weird or... Uh, the, the example I like to use in the traditional sports of the brand world is NASCAR and how you have billboards on wheels crash at like super high speeds and go up in yeah. fireballs and somehow that's okay. But mm-hmm. if they were to, if there's somebody shooting somebody else and our brand is uh, in the arena around them, that's where we're going to draw the line. So I, I've always found like, it's such an odd choice as to where exactly you draw the line and, uh, I I think we eventually see that line kind of go away as more and more people realize that it just doesn't really hold up to a a high level of logic. But right now, decision makers, it's just not worth the risk. And that's kind of where it's at right now.
1: And what's funny, and I'll make this super quick, a funny story was when we really, when Mainline first started taking off, you know, we work with uh, colleges, high schools, and then we also work with really big brands as well that want to run their own um, kind of white label tournaments again, as a, as a form of uh, a new inventory and, and touching a, you know, extremely affluent, smart, uh, driven um, uh, demographic. But um, I remember I was sitting in a meeting, uh, at, well, I say a meeting, it was a panel, um, I won't say where I was or who it was with, but I was in a panel, and an uh, older gentleman in the back uh, raised his hand, and he started kind of like vilifying and, and uh, kind of jumping on me about like, you know, first person shooters in the space. It's, you know, this is bad. And all I could do was I went, that's an interesting take. Thank you so much. Cause I knew there's no point in going down this route in this, Uh, on this panel. So I was like, I appreciate your point. Thank you so much. And then just moved on.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a losing battle. It's a, it's a losing argument. you know, it, it's still video games and there's been plenty of studies. One of the reasons we started classes in session here on the college esports quick tech, quick plug for our people listening on esports network podcast. I look at an academic study every single week uh, looking at, you know, quite a few of the topics of research are are do video games have an impact on violence, on aggression outside of game? And the answer study after study after study is no, not particularly, maybe a little bit maybe like a tiny relationship here and there, but in general, no. And the positive benefits in problem solving, in uh, cooperation and communication are all pretty readily apparent. And that connection has been proven uh, a lot more clearly than the connection between violent Games and Aggression. So just a a pet peeve of mine. But if you're interested in that kind of content, check out the College Esports Quick Take feed. It's a a good feed, I promise. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about mainline and kind of expand the scope a little bit going uh, as we wrap up this show you work for sort of the esports programs and events who else has mainline worked for and ran tournaments for uh, and what's kind of the what problem is mainline aimed at solving in collegiate esports and in the wider esports world
1: uh, yeah great question so you know i'll give a really quick background because it's kind of a uh, um, I wish I could say I was a savant and I know my competitors are out there and they're going to listen to this and go, really? When we started, we were kind of one of the largest PUBG G um, tournament um, sites in North America. And we were pretty big in EU. That's where mainline actually got started back in 2016, 2017. And we had built this software that uh, obviously to help us automate because we were running 6,000 tournaments a year, but it was more of an internal software. Well, ESPN uh, came to us because our production started getting better with this PUBG deal. And then our set got bigger and better and and we were just doing pretty good work. And, um, they asked us to help come in and run the ESPN collegiate esports championship from like a broadcast production. In fact, we did eight weeks of a a TV show for ESPN in our studios here in Houston. And, uh, it was really at that time that when they said that they were going to do that, I had been talking to my alma mater, A&M about, um, esports initiatives just in general and I knew that they just didn't have anything that was officially uh, affiliated with the school right and so we, we white labeled our product as a pilot program for AM and and it just kind of took off really really quickly because what we quickly found was in the um, collegiate space when it comes to esports there is you know this unbelievable amount of interest from the students and and, and then by the way there's face it, Smash, Challenge, Battlefly, Tournament, like all of these tournament, open tournament sites, right? Where um, these varsity teams are going and playing. But th- nobody was like linking the the school's IP with uh, the club programs, the varsity programs. And by the way, we understand completely that there are some that don't want it associated right now, right? All mm-hmm. we are trying to do at Mainline, and yeah, we did start in the, in the college space, and then we expanded pretty quickly beyond that. But what we're doing is, we're, we're trying to be this software and we're we're getting actually pretty close to where all of the schools can have a software that they can run community, um, uh, events and in the esports space. And we work with all the publishers directly. We don't do anything without permission. Sure. A lot of our stuff falls under community guidelines, but, um, we have extended licensing agreements with a lot of them. But what we quickly found was the schools wanted a way to run sanctioned community tournaments. Right. And then COVID sped up a lot of that process. Right. So now, You know, we have the rights uh, or we're technically in with like about 560 plus schools already, 35 conferences. And what it does is it starts putting in that foundational piece that uh, in the future, you know, right now we're running a lot of community events. It's what we call intra-collegiate for now. But look at Van Wagner, a lot of intercollegiate play as well. um, We we do handle. And we want to be just the the software that everybody's going to to say like, okay, if I want to be whether it's community club or varsity, I can play in these tournaments uh, at my school, but I can also use it as a way to enter into other leagues, other tournaments, um, you know, as a qualifying platform. Well, now we're starting to get in the high school space with state associations. And I mean, think of like the natural uh, progression of uh, high school, obviously into college, whether you're talking about recruiting, whether you're talking about like um, uh, profiles, whether you're talking about any of that kind of information, it's just, it becomes like a natural transition uh, there. And then, we, we've worked with uh, brands like iHeartRadio, for instance. Um, uh, weirdly enough, we did our first pilot program with them in Houston, and it went really well. And you we start to look at now we're going to be doing it for a lot more. But um, it's really just kind of being that foundational piece, because we actually tell schools, like, we'll get contacted by a varsity team that says, uh, hey, we want we want to spin up your site at our school for our varsity program. And we say, like, great. Now we would recommend that you don't do it just for your market varsity, like open it up to the student body. And that's when we start getting involved with schools. And then we always tell the varsity teams who are playing in those face it, smash to challenge tournaments. Don't stop doing that because it's good practice. There's a lot of tournaments that are out there. Everybody should be playing. You know what I mean? We are just trying to be more of that official uh, back in uh, software system that partners with the publishers and the, the schools from an IP perspective to start growing the club space so that there's consistency. So I know I went probably really long on that, but that is the, that's exactly what we're doing right now. I mean, I wish I could tell you two years ago that I was a savant that knew that this is exactly where we would be, <laughs> but um, it's certainly, it, we, knew, we knew really quickly when three Power 5 programs came on board within like the first month of a pilot program. And then we quickly jumped up to 195, okay, the schools are looking for something. And then the last thing I will say is just like you mentioned, there are a lot of schools that don't know yet what they want to do. So while we are a white labeled solution, we also white glove the end to end execution of these tournaments. So it's a perfect situation where school doesn't have to have an FTE yet to run esports tournaments, right? They can go to us and we can run the tournament for them. Um, and again, we just sit there and we run it. We're, we're not the group. That's like, here's the strategy. Um, we just want to be that that software that every school is using um, in, in the future, so that it's it's just a much more like clean process. Uh, whether a publisher comes in and says, "Hey, can you run our open qualifier since you're already in every school?" The answer is going to be, "You bet we can." So that that's where that's why and how we got to where we are.
0: I love it. That's really interesting, and I think it's a smart mission to be the supporting companies in this space. You know, we talked about how crowded. This space could be a little bit, well, you mm-hmm. can be a supported company that works and provides something that everyone needs. Uh, and that's a little bit better. I'd love to see more supporting companies and less competing companies across esports in general, because I think the whole space benefits from it. So congratulations to you on your recent success for sure. Uh, be sure to check out Mainline to our listeners if you want to learn more about it. I'll give Chris another chance to plug the company, but first, you guys need to watch the college esports invitational on Van Wagner's Twitch channel. That's a cool thing for Van Wagner. They get to broadcast it on their own Twitch channel as well. Uh, sure. that'll be happening when you guys hear this. If it's before this upcoming weekend, the sixth and the seventh, you can watch the college esports invitational with 16 teams, eight or uh, two from each of the eight conferences in the Rocket League Invitational. See how that viewership is. Uh, See how Mainline helps put together a tournament. It's going to be a cool event. So Chris, final word for you. What do you want people looking out for, following, watching for in the future for Mainline?
1: Yeah, the most um, important thing to us is just First of all, working with others in the industry, like you already talked about, we've been super fortunate that even our competitors uh, in the space, whether that's high school, college or beyond, um, we actually have great relationships with a lot of them because I think that they too know it's going to take a group effort to get this done. So uh, partnerships with people that some people might go, aren't they a competitor? Uh, you can be looking out for that. You can be looking for us to keep expanding. You know, our, our goal is, again, when I say domination of the market, it is not a, a a greedy thing it is quite literally yeah, we want to dominate from a software perspective so that we can have continuity in the space. so uh, an important piece of that is, man, if you are a an esports um, student or a competitor in the collegiate space or high school space, We love hearing from uh, y'all, whether it's uh, reaching out to us directly. We obviously have a contact line and just making sure that we're always doing what's in the best interest of the competitors because the only way that this is going to grow is if uh, the club and varsity programs continue to grow. So that's priority number one for us right now. And then uh, just keep a lookout for us. I mean, we, like I said, high school, college, um, and then now with with, uh, global brands, um, we're really moving quickly and growing really, really quickly. So last thing I will say is, Hey, if you're interested in a, in a career in esports, uh, always keep an eye out on our website uh, and our jobs because uh, we are growing extremely quickly now.
0: Awesome. Love that. Be sure to look out for jobs at Mainline. Clearly, they are involved in this space, working with some great partners around college esports and esports in general. This was Chris Buckner, the co-founder and CEO of Mainline on the College Esports Quick Take and on the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. If you're listening on the College Esports feed, I'll be back on Monday with In the News covering the top headlines from the last week in College Esports. And if you're listening on the Esports Network podcast feed, I'm not sure what's going to be coming up next. It's either Friday (laughs) or Monday, but when you hear this, there will be another show coming either the following Friday or the following Monday. So be on the lookout for a new podcast uh, coming up soon. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. I'll be back with you again soon.